I'm so, so excited um, to have this opportunity to share with you guys this morning. Um, and I just wanted to start off by thanking the elders um, for trusting me to be able to share this morning. Um, I submit to you guys, and I really am so grateful for this privilege and opportunity to be able to share with you this morning. Um, and just before I start, you know, Marky shared the testimony about the youth um, on Friday night and just little Nicole's faith, you know. Everyone's like, nah, that's not how the kingdom works. <laughs> it's too late to pray now. And she's like, no, <laughs> of course I'm going to pray. And then the, the guy comes back, he's like, I don't have my pen, you know. And, you know, when I, I got told this testimony, I was like, you know, it's exactly that. We don't get to tell God how his kingdom works, you know. It's he, it's his kingdom, you know. And just going into this morning with what I'm gonna share on, this is so true for what I'm gonna speak on, and I'm speaking on Jesus today. But as you listen and as I speak and reveal to you the redemption and the reconciliation that we have through Jesus, I don't want you to sit there and let the enemy disqualify you from that because you don't get to decide how God's kingdom works. He does. And he sent Jesus for everyone, that everyone may have the right to become a child of God. So whatever the enemy tries to come and lie to you and tries to steal from you this morning, bind and rebuke that as you sit there and as you listen to the preach, because it's a free gift from God and that's how he chose to run his kingdom. And we don't get to choose it, we accept it. We accept the free gift of salvation through that. So for those of you who are here for the first time, we're doing the Lost Sun series, um, and we are now on a week four. So we've been through um, the story, and it's the story of the prodigal sons. So if you don't know the story of the prodigal sons, it goes, there's a father, he's a very wealthy man, and he has two sons, the older son and the younger son. So one day the younger son comes up to him and he says, Dad, you're taking very long to die and I want my inheritance, you know, I know you're a wealthy man, I want, I want my inheritance now, it would be better if you were dead, but you're not dead, so can you just give it to me now and then we'll be good. Um, and the father's like, okay, you can have it. So the younger son takes his inheritance and he goes and he spends it all on partying, chicks, booze, the likes. I don't know if they had drugs that day in, <laughs> in that day, but if there was, he was probably spending it on that too. Um, and he spends it all up. He's got nothing left. He's at his lowest point. He's a Jew and he is feeding the pigs, um, which is very, very not kosher. Um, but he was just at the bottom of it. He was hungry, and he was envious of what the pigs were eating. That's how low this guy was. Um, so he decides to come back to the father, and he says, maybe if I go home, my father will just let me be his servant in his house. So he's going home, and he's preparing this long speech of what he's going to prepare to say to the father. Um, and as the father sees him returning, the father sees him while he's still a long way off, and the father goes out, and he runs runs after him and he just embraces his son and he calls his servants and he says, bring the robe, bring the rings and bring the sandals, kill the fattened calf, we're gonna have a party because my son who was far from me has now returned. Then the older brother who has faithfully been working hard in the field is not happy about this and he sort of storms off. Um, and again, the father's 
is gracious and he goes out to this older brother and the older brother turns to the, the father and he says, you know, I've been, I've been slaving away for you and you haven't even given me a kid go to celebrate with my friends. But yet this son of yours who squandered your wealth on prostitutes come home and you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father turns to him and he says, everything that I have is yours. This son of yours was lost, but now he's found, he's come home, and we have to celebrate him. So, just a quick recap. What are we seeing in this story? Well, there's three sons, three fathers, two kingdoms, and three options, okay? So, if you haven't been here, and this is your first week, you're going to be like, who's the third son? Well, the third son is Jesus. So Jesus was telling this story, this parable. So there's the older son, the younger son, and then there's Jesus. There's three fathers. So there's God the Father, there's the earthly father, and then there's the father of lies, who's Satan. Okay? And then there's three options, okay? So two worldly options. So there's the secular humanism option, which is the the younger brother, which Terry shared on a couple of weeks ago. Um, then there's the older brother who was a slave to religion, okay? He saw himself as a worker. He didn't see himself as a son of the father. He saw himself as a slave. You know, he says, I've been slaving away for you, from you. So he was a religious slave. He wasn't living in his identity as a son. And then we have one heavenly option, one, and that is life in Jesus and the kingdom of light, So that's what I have the privilege of focusing on today, and that's Jesus, the third son, the perfect kingdom son. Um, And the verse that really is going to be really important for us today is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 that says, Jesus, the perfect son of the father, became a son of man so that the fallen sons of men, that's you and me, I mean the the younger brother and the older brother, (laughs) all of us, could be restored and reconciled to the glorious heavenly father and once again become the sons of the father. So, Jesus The perfect heavenly son is who brings us to the glorious father and into his kingdom. And if you've been in church for some time, you definitely know this verse. And it's John 14 verse 6. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So you see, because we have seen Jesus, because we have Jesus, we have the Father. So let's focus on this first. So Jesus is saying that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So firstly, he's the way. The way what? (laughs) The way to the Father, right? To eternity. He's the way that we can receive eternal life and eternal reconciliation with God the Father. Um, We can go to the next slide, please. Sorry. So Jesus is our way to relationship with the Father. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled himself, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. 
as he committed us to the message of reconciliation. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As through God, we are making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So you see that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the only way that we receive that reconciliation is through Jesus. It's not by us, right? Because we receive the righteousness of God through Jesus. We don't become it by any work of our own. So Jesus is our way to reconcile with the Father. Then, secondly, Jesus is the truth. So Jesus reveals the truth to us about God's character, right? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, And in John 14, verse 9, it says that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, because Jesus is the truth of the Father's character. And no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself is God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, and has made the Father known. That's John 1, verse 18. So we see that Jesus is revealing the truth about God's character to us. And not only that, but Jesus reveals that the kingdom, God's kingdom, is a kingdom of truth. And we see this in John 18, verse 37, where Jesus answers and says that, You say that I am a king, and this is at his trial um, when he's asked if he's the king of the Jews. He says that, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now in John 8, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? But Jesus also then says that I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if we know the truth and the truth sets us free and Jesus is the truth, then Jesus is the only one that can set us free. And it's by knowing the truth that we are set free. It's not by knowing about the truth, it's by knowing the truth. That means it's by relationship with Jesus, it's by knowing the character, I know Jesus. I don't know about Jesus, I know Jesus. And it's that truth that sets me free. And John 1 verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So you see, so you see, Before Jesus, they were subject to the law. Um, And the law was what the older brother was trying to pursue, you know. He was trying to slave for his father. He was trying to work his way to, to, to redemption, to reconciliation, so that he could, you know, the father would be proud of him. But the father said, everything that I have is already yours. Everything. Um, You see, so it's not something that we earn like the older brother was trying to earn it. And it's not something that we deserve like the younger brother because the younger brother didn't deserve to be welcomed back into his father's home. He said it was better off if you did. Give me the money now. And then he goes and spends it on partying. And he comes back and the father forgives him, runs after him and throws him a celebration that he's home. He didn't deserve that. But it's through grace and truth and that's in Jesus alone. You see, it's the truth. The truth is that Jesus was the perfect son of God. He was sinless perfection that took his sin upon 
our sin upon himself so that we might have redemption. And that gives us the grace to become reconciled with God. Come on. So we say Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and then he's the life. So Jesus releases the life of the kingdom to us. And it's through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension back into the Father, um, to the kingdom of heaven, that we receive life. Okay. So in John 7, verse 37 to 39, it says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by that he meant his spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we've seen already that Jesus was sent from God. He's the kingdom son of God. So while Jesus was with the disciples, they didn't need the Holy Spirit because they had Jesus, which had the Holy Spirit in him, right? But the Holy Spirit is to us what Jesus was to the disciples. You see, because we don't have the physical Jesus with us. That's why we needed the Holy Spirit. And we have access through Jesus to the Holy Spirit 24-7. And all we do is receive it, right? And that brings the life of Jesus to us. And in Romans 8 verse 2 it says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Right? So, if we think about the law, that's what the older brother was clinging to, right? He was trying to justify himself through law. And then the younger brother was caught up in sin and death. You know, he was pursuing that. But you see that neither reconciled. They were both two tensions pulling away from the one truth. And that was Jesus who sets us free. So Jesus came and he fulfilled the law so that we may receive his life. So... Just quickly, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but while Jesus was on earth, we first see the redemption that he brings. And the first one is through Barabbas. So for those of you who don't know, when Jesus was on trial, um, Pontius Pilate was the governor and he was, he was um, in charge of Jesus' case. And he, he says, you know, I don't see any problem in him. Um, but the Jew says, no, he needs to be crucified. You need to crucify him. So... Um, and at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, it was Passover. And at that time, it was custom for them to release one prisoner. So Pilate asks the crowd and he says, well, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And he's speaking of Jesus. And they say, no, we don't want him. Give us Barabbas. And Barabbas, he was part of an uprising. You see, Barabbas deserved his sentence. He deserved to die. And on the other hand, you have Jesus, who is sinless perfection, who didn't deserve his sentence. Yet, Jesus physically takes the place of Barabbas at the cross. He physically, in a divine exchange, takes Barabbas' place, the place that Barabbas deserved to die. But Jesus dies in his face. And the beautiful thing is that if you look at Barabbas' name, it means son of the father. And Jesus was the true son of God the Father, yet he takes Barabbas' place and gives Barabbas another chance. You see, it's through Jesus, the true son of God, that we receive a kingdom identity to become children of God, just like Barabbas. 
the Son of the Father, we are physically justified by Christ. And then next, we see the first spiritual justification on the cross, and that's the thief, the thief next to Jesus on the cross. So this is, again, another person that deserves to die, right? Because they deserve their sentence. And there's two, there's two thieves on either side of Jesus. And one of them is saying, didn't you say you're the son of God? Save yourself and us. And then another one on the other side of Jesus turns to him and he says, are you crazy? <laughs> you know, he says to him, you know, don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And why? Why is that? Because this, this guy didn't pray a sinner's prayer or anything, right? He didn't do that. He didn't attend a church service or something. He wasn't born in a Christian family. But yet he is with the Father today in heaven. And why? Because he looked at Jesus and he says, this, this man, he doesn't deserve to be here. Because he recognized, one, that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He recognized the truth that Jesus wants sinner's perfection. And he recognized that the only way into the kingdom was through Jesus, and that the only way he could receive eternal life was through Jesus. And because he had had that revelation of those three things, Jesus says to him, today, you will be with me in heaven. And you see, through that, he receives reconciliation with God the Father in heaven as well. So Jesus, we see, is the perfect kingdom um, son of the kingdom. He's the kingdom's son. And we can go to the next slide. So we see Jesus is supreme. And Colossians 1 verse 15 to 20, it says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him, that, so that he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all things and his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself, to God the Father, all things, things in heaven and things on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So one here we see that Jesus is the perfect son of the kingdom. He's the image of God. And he's the fullness of the Father. The fullness. God made the fullness of the Father dwell in Jesus. So Jesus is supreme and he's the kingdom's son. And through Jesus, we receive the blood um, that he shed on the cross and his redemption. So, as seeing Jesus as the kingdom son, there's six key things that highlight to us Jesus' posture and how he operates in his identity as the true kingdom son of God. And the first is that Jesus was secure in the love of the Father. And we see this in John 5 verse 20, and it says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. Yes, 
and he will show you even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So you see, it comes from this place of love. Jesus loves the Father and the Father loves Jesus and then these things are worked out, right? So the works flow from that place of love and that security of love with the Father. And the second thing is that Jesus understood his sonship. So in Luke 4, verse 9 to 10, it's when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness and Satan takes him up over Jerusalem and he says, you know, he says, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his, give his angels a command concerning you, charge concerning you, to guard you and will uplift you and will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus knows his father and he knows the character of God, and he's secure in his sonship, contrasting to the older brother. So he says, no, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus understood, you know, I am a son, and yes, God will protect me, but I don't need to test God because I know him. You see, when we have a real understanding and we're, when we're secure in something, there's no need to prove it. The next thing is that he understands that everything that he has is a gift from the Father. So we said that, one, he's secure in the love of the Father. He understands his, his, um, his sonship, and he understands that everything is a gift from the Father. And we see this in John 17, verse 6 to 8, and it says, Now they know that, and this is Jesus speaking, it says, Now they know that everything that you, the Father, has given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Then, fourth thing, he works with the Father, and he pleases him, and the Son's pleasure is in the Father. So we see that, one, because Jesus was secure in the love of the Father, he understood his sonship, and he understood that everything he has was from the Father, he could work with the Father. And then we see this in John 5, verse 19. It says that Jesus is speaking. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because wherever the father, whatever the father does, the son does too. And John 7, verse 16 to 18 says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Whoever speaks on their own does so for personal gain. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth, and there's nothing false about him. So you see, Jesus works with the Father, and he knows the Father. And because of that, he, he works out. And um, I do some babysitting quite often. Um, and one of the little boys that I babysit for, the one night I was putting them down to sleep, <laughs> um, and he couldn't fall asleep, and he told me, no, Kim, I'm having bad dreams. Um, I can't fall asleep. And I said, okay, let me come um, pray with you and just stay here until you fall asleep. So he closed his eyes for a little bit, and he opens it, and he says, I had a bad dream. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how you fall asleep in five seconds, but it's okay. So this happens a few times, and then I say, okay, you know what? Let's think of a dream that you can dream. Um, that's going to make you happy. And now I'm trying to think of things. And then he's like, no, but that's not real. I can't, I can't think of that. 
Anyways, so then I'm trying to think, what's going to make this kid happy? You know, what's going to make him fall asleep and have a good dream? Um, and his dad loves fishing. So I say, okay, what about this? What about if you dream that you caught the biggest fish in the world and everyone was so proud of you and you showed your dad and your dad was just so proud of you because you caught the biggest fish in the world and he was so proud that his son caught the biggest fish and his eyes like light up and they're like glistening and he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that'll work, you know. Um, and then a couple of minutes, you know, he was out. But there's something about understanding your father's heart and what your father loves. And there's just this natural inclination when you're a son that you love what your father loves because you spend time with the father. And what pleases the father pleases you. What excites the father excites you. And just as his dad loves fishing, you know, if he could catch a fish and make his dad proud, you know, that, would, that was exciting for him. And you see, when we work with the Father, understanding that all we have comes from Him, you know, we get excited. We understand that it's not us. You know, it says that I can do nothing by myself, but I can only do what the Father gives me to do. So the next, the fifth thing is that He knows He has access to all of the Father's resources, and then He uses them with the right motives. You see, and this all comes from the place of one, being secure in the Father's love. Two, understanding his sonship. Three, um, three was, and yeah, understanding that everything was a gift from the Father. Four, working with the Father. And now, accessing the Father's resources with the right motives. We see the outworking of his things. And now what, we see that the younger brother, he accessed the Father's resources but it was with the wrong motive, right? He took the father's wealth and he squandered it. And now the older brother, he was with the father at the, everything the father had was his, but he didn't access it at all. And he says to the father, you didn't give me a kid goat. And the father says to him, but everything that I have is yours. So we see Jesus, the kingdom son, he accesses the father's resources with the right motives. One, to please the father. John 8 verse 29, it says that, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me, for I always do what pleases him. Two, to build the kingdom. We know this verse, Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then thirdly, to bring the Father glory. And that's in John 17, verse 1 and 4. He's, when Jesus is about to be crucified, he says, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. And I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So we see that Jesus is building the kingdom here, right? So how do we please the Father? By glorifying him. And how do we glorify the Father? By building his kingdom. But how do we build the kingdom? <laughs> and that's by loving obedience. You see here, Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And you see, love is the motivation but obedience is the outworking of that love. So, next slide, please. 
So we see that here, the kingdom is the only motivation and reason for repentance. In Matthew 4, verse 17, it says, from that time on, and this is just after Jesus has been tempted, okay? So he comes out of the wilderness and he begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, if there wasn't a kingdom, if there wasn't reconciliation with the Father, if we weren't, if there wasn't that gift to be received, there would be no reason or motivation for repentance. But there is. And that's our motivation for the kingdom. And now, in Matthew 4, verse 23, then Jesus, accessing the Father's resources, he goes out through Galilee, and he's preaching in the synagogues, he's teaching, he's proclaiming the good news of the gospel, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So here we see Jesus teaching, preaching, and demonstrating the work of the kingdom of God on earth, because he's accessing the Father's resources. So... Then we've spoken about the kingdom, we've spoken about the true son of Jesus, but now how do we get access into this kingdom of heaven? And that is through being born again. And in John 3 verse 3, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the, the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And how are we born again? We're born again by receiving the Holy Spirit because the word says flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And we've spoken about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And if you remember, we said that Jesus is the life. And through that, Jesus says he will give you streams of living water, which is his Holy Spirit. So you see, the Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive, and that free gift is what gives us life and entry into the kingdom of heaven. So, next slide, please. So, the kingdom of heaven, right? That's what the aim here is. We want to be kingdom sons and daughters of the heaven, of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. So, the Father rescues us from the kingdom of darkness and transforms us into the kingdom of life. And the only way through that is the Spirit. And we see this in Colossians 1 verse 9 to 14 where it says we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will in all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing good fruit fruits in every good work growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves, in whom we have our redemption and forgiveness of our sins. So you see here, one, it's wisdom and knowledge that the spirit gives. The spirit helps us to live a life worthy of the father according to his power and his glorious might who qualifies us so that we may be rescued from darkness and transformed into life. You see, it's not us. <laughs> it was the spirit. It's his power. It's God and it's Jesus that we receive our reconciliation and redemption. Um, and you see that the darkness in and itself is not something that can be created. If we were to close all of these blinds and really like tape up this walls, it would get dark in here, right? But have we created darkness or have we removed the light? See, darkness cannot be created. It is merely the absence of light. But 
when we receive Jesus, we receive the light. And if you can go to the next slide, please. John 1 verse 9 to 14 says, The true light, Jesus that gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. And he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all he did receive, he gave the right to become children of God, not children born of natural descent, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. You see, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory of God, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So we see how Jesus is the true life. He's light. He's the way, the truth, and the light. See, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth here again we see come through Jesus Christ. And through him, we get our identity as kingdom children of God. So with that, we have this new identity. And you can go to the next slide, please. As children of the Father, kingdom sons and daughters. So we're called to live like Jesus did. And how do we do that? By following his example, right? Because Jesus will never call us to be something that he was not. So we already read that he won our rights. We have the right to become children of God. And all of creation, it says in Romans 8 verse 19, all of creation is waiting for the true kingdom sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Okay? Because sin was, creation was subject to sin because of man. So creation is waiting for the kingdom sons and daughters to be revealed. So who are these kingdom sons and daughters? Well, if we read just up in Romans 8, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, like the older brother or the younger brother, so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received has brought you about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies in our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth anything comparing to the glory that we will be revealed in us. So you see, it's by the Spirit that we receive this this identity, that we are co-heirs of Christ. And remember what I said to you in the beginning? This is the kingdom of God. This is how God chose to run his kingdom. So if you're sitting there and you're feeling condemned or convicted, that's not from God. Because every single person here has this right and is able to access and has that access as a co-heir of the kingdom because of God, because God is faithful, and that is how he chose to run his kingdom. And that doesn't mean we're going to have an easy life on earth, because it says here that we may experience suffering, but it's earthly suffering for an eternal inheritance. Oh, it's so good. So... We have a story. I'm, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> you guys, the kingdom is exciting. <laughs> okay. um, so we have James 4, verse 2 to 3. And this is how are we living in our kingdom um, identity, our identity as sons and daughters. So in James it says, you have not because you do not ask God. 
And when you do ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motive that you may spend what you get on your, pleasant, on your pleasures. So you see that when we're accessing God with the right motives as Jesus did, when we're accessing him to glorify the Father, to do his will, to build his kingdom, then we will receive from the Father, right? And we do this by following Jesus' example, okay? Because we wanna build the kingdom, but we can't build king, the kingdom of God without God, right? So if you can go to the next slide, please. So this is what it's coming down to, right? So we're co-heirs with Christ. We have this kingdom identity and we're called to build with Christ. But remember what it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, we can't build the kingdom of God without seeking it first. It just doesn't work. Okay, so let's, and I'm sorry, I'm closing now, but let's read this um, in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, for we are co-workers in, Christ, in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than that which is already laid in Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells within your midst? So when we receive, remember what we read and we receive the spirit of God, we're not slaves. We receive an adoption into sonship. And we're called to, to build with Christ. And Christ is what holds all things together. You see, we build on his foundation, the foundation of mercy, receiving forgiveness of our sins. And then we build with the empowering grace of Christ because his power is made perfect in our weakness. And in him, we are strong. So, and remember that whole series we went through last year of in Hebrews 4 verse 16, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, our foundation, and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that's what we build towards. And that's, that's basically what I wanna leave with you guys this morning is that we build with Christ. We don't build his kingdom for him. We build it with him. Um, and I just want to close, if I may, with one last picture. Um, and it's a picture I had this morning. Because, you know, going through this series, and I think we've all had moments where we felt like the younger brother, where we felt like we've sinned and we've run away and we've fallen short. And then there's moments where we felt like the older brother, where we're serving God and we're in his kingdom, you know, and we're doing all these things for him. But why am I so far from him? You know, and it's almost like we're in this, um, this bowling alley and like we're ricocheting to these two extremes of one sin and, um, you know, squandering our wealth in the world and this other side of religion and doing things for God, you know, but we're not in the center. 
Um, and I had this picture of this bowling alley, you know. And because we're saved, you know, we're, we're in Christ, but we still have this tug of war. It's like, have you had the railings up when you do bowlings? Like they put the railings up for the kids. Um, adults can have it too if you want. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just like a constant, like, diagonal, like ping pong. You know, have you ever seen those kids? They just chuck the ball and it's like ricocheting off of one side and it's hitting the other side, you know. And that's how I feel, you know, sometimes I'm like, yo, God, sometimes I feel like that. You know, sometimes I'm sinning like so much and like, non, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to be, you know, in the middle going for the strike. And then other times, you know, I'm like doing everything for you. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what else you want me to do. You know, why am I not feeling you? And God's like, but I didn't call you to do that. You know, I called you first to relationship. Um, and you see, that's where we get the strike, by asking him to help us. And I don't know if you know, but at the bowling alleys, they also have this little, like, metal thing, right? And you put the ball in the top, and it, like, it pushes it so that you just position it. And then all you do is push the ball, and then it goes straight. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, let me help you. Because you can, and I'm going to save you. The ball's going to get to the end, right? It's just going to ricochet. But what happens is every time it's ricocheting, it's losing momentum. But let me come, let me position you from the beginning so that you can go straight, straight for the strike. And that's where I want to be. I want to be living like the kingdom son of God, going for the strike, building with Jesus, not for him so that I don't have to lose momentum and to hurt myself along the way by hitting against those sides. And I don't know if Mark and Bernard, you maybe want to pray for us, like, well, I can pray, but let's pray that, Father, help us to build with you, to live in our identities, to understand your love for us, to be secure in our sonship, to work with you, to understand that everything that we have is from you, and to use your heavenly resources to build your kingdom. Thanks so much, guys.